All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 176 of the Jesus Famous Podcast. We exist to see Jesus honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed. Jesus Famous in your everyday life. I'm Nate Holdridge, your host today and pastor of Calvary Monterey on the California Central Coast. I preach about Jesus Famous on Sundays, but like to write and podcast about Jesus Famous during the week at Nate Holdridge. Our show consists of interviews and discussions and stories that we think will help propel you further into an appreciation of Jesus. On today's episode, we're going to have a roundtable discussion with a group of men, fathers, and pastors that I serve with here at Calvary Monterey. I admire every one of these guys as dads, and you are really going to enjoy this discussion. If you're a wannabe father hoping to have kids at some point in the future if you're an older father who's trying to figure out how to father your adult children if you're just getting started whatever stage you're at i think you're going to enjoy this conversation each man around the table has a different perspective some of them are just getting started in their role as a dad Others of them are in their latter or older years of parenting their kids. Uh, Each man at the table has a different background. Some of us had both of our parents raising us. Others of us only had our mom raising us. Some of us lived in toxic homes and environments, as you'll hear as the episode progresses. But uh, having done this recording already, I know you're going to be greatly encouraged by this episode. Stick around for the very end when Pastor Manny gives a rock solid exhortation to close out our time together. So I know you're going to be blessed by this conversation. And thanks again for listening to the Jesus Famous Podcast. All right, here we are. I'm with the guys in the studio and we're getting ready to talk about being a dad. Uh, You might be listening to this uh, episode, you know, really at any point. We're releasing it near Father's Day, so kind of an uh, on-calendar or on-brand episode. Uh, But, you know, it's going to be timeless in nature. It's not just how to, this isn't a podcast on how to navigate Father's Day. It's going to be a discussion about how to, to be a dad. And uh, I've already talked about some of the guys I've got in the studio with me, but these are all pastors that I respect and have served with for many years here at Calvary Monterey. And uh, we're going to go around the table for all of these questions today. And uh, we're going to start with just kind of an icebreaker introduction to each guy. And what I'm looking for first is to get their dad stats. You know, how long have you been a dad? How many kids you got? And, uh, you know, that type of thing. So we can can know where you're coming from. And then uh, just an icebreaker question. What is one of your favorite dad survival tips? So I'm going to start uh, with Pastor Riley Monzo first. Riley, welcome to the show, man. Once again, my longtime co-host. Hey, good to be back. <laughs> it's good to see you. Well, I'm the youngest dad here, I think. Um, I have been a dad for two and a half years have a daughter. Her name's Meadow, Meadow Joy. Um, she's just the best little girl. I just love being a dad. Um, my, my wife and I have been married for seven years, so we started a few years into marriage um, having kids. And um, 
you want me to go into my my dad survival tip? Yeah, man. What's one of your favorite dad survival tips? Well, um, my favorite thing to do since being a dad has been naps. I've I've, I've turned into a nap guy. I don't know if you guys are nap guys, but oh heck yeah, I, I do the twenty minute nap kind of midday when my daughter goes down for a nap. I usually go down for a nap too for about twenty minutes. Any longer is brutal, but. 20 minutes has been good. It just gives me enough juice to get through the day. So that's really helped out, especially during bedtime at night. I don't fall asleep when she's falling asleep. That's great. <laughs> you stay awake I long stay enough awake. to tuck her yeah. in. Yeah, that's good. And I coffee. Was, Lots of I was coffee. curious if it was like a, is it a simultaneous nap, Meadows napping and you're napping. So it sounds like you will take advantage because mm-hmm. I know there's a little bit of pressure when they take a nap. It's kind of like you feel the pressure like, I gotta get stuff done. This is my this is my time to shine now. But you will indulge. She goes down, I go down. I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right, and then uh, the next pastor and man and father that I've got with me is uh, Pastor Mike Casey. Uh, Mike, what are your dad stats, and, and what's one of your favorite dad survival tips? Well, I have been a dad um, for thirty-seven years, which is kind of surprising to me. And I think for me, um, I have a unique time of being a father because the first probably half of my kid's life, I was not present. Um, My two oldest, uh, Ryan and Sarah, were in high school uh, when I got sober and met Christ. Uh, My youngest two were in middle school and my youngest was being homeschooled. And so um, I would say I didn't really even start becoming a father until... Uh, the two oldest were halfway through their lives. And uh, so I think for me, it's just being present with your kids because all kids really want is a parent. They're not looking for perfection. They're not looking for always the always the the right answer or the right thing. They just they want their mom or their dad to be in their life, whatever that looks like. And my kids never gave up that hope. And so I would say for me, it's just being present in their lives mm-hmm. and, uh, and to watch all of those years of disappointment just wash away like the blood of Christ and just watch them be accepting and happy to have a dad regardless. So I get to see him at church now as a pastor and it's like, it's, it's a whole new ball game and they're proud of me and I'm proud of them and it's just a joy um, watching them grow and watching Christ work in their lives. Amen, bro. That That's the reason that I wanted to have you be part of this discussion. You know, if I've got Riley on as the guy who's like, hey, you've got a little toddler running around and you're just brand new, your, your marriage has been intruded on by this new life and person. I wanted to have you on because you're an excellent dad and I know that that's your past and your history. And I've watched how you have just thrown yourself into uh, the lives of your children, your adult children, and you're there for them. You're always barbecuing with them and doing stuff. You're one of the busiest guys I know, but you make time for your kids. And it's really stood out to me how they have embraced you as dad, uh, even though those younger years, you wish you could have done them a little bit differently. And I'm sure you're not the only person. You know, there's plenty of people listening to this today. 
and you wish that your past had been different as a dad, but God has something new for you in the future. You can't change what has come or what has already occurred, but you can change what will happen in the years to come. So Mike, thanks so much for giving us uh, that encouragement. You're the, welcome. The next pastor I got with me is uh, Pastor Manny Colazzo. Hey, hey. Manny and I have known each other for many years. Manny, what's your, uh, what are your dad's stats and what's one of your favorite survival tips? I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> well, we started super early having children. I was 21 when I had my first son. And a few years later, we had our second son. I've been a dad for 28 years. My oldest, they're both boys. They're both men grown up. We've successfully launched them out mm-hmm. the house. My oldest is going to be 28. So he's 27 now. My youngest will be 25 this Sunday, wow. uh, Jonathan. And uh, super proud of both of them. They're two adult men that I'm just, I've loved being their dad. It's been hard at times, but super blessed. Mm-hmm. My dad's survival tip um, to quote uh, Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. <laughs> hey, you know, you want to trust your kids. You want to believe in them. You want to believe the best. I mean, you've invested yourself into them. You want to be able to, man, I've done a good job and they're going to make great decisions. I trust you, but I'm going to verify. And the survival has been in always having that healthy sense of skepticism about what they say or what they're telling me. I don't ever want to be caught by surprise or be like, I can't believe you did or you said what. I trust them, mm. but I'm going to verify. Just have that healthy sense of skepticism so you're not caught flat-footed. That's so. great, man. I love that. You and Denise are such intentional parents. And really, I, I, it seems like the two of you talk a lot, strategize a lot, think a lot about the next stage of your kids' lives, how yes. we're going to react, Absolutely. what we're going to do. And you guys kind of come together before the whether it's emergency or yeah. question or proposal or whatever yeah. is coming, you guys are ready for it yeah. before it happens. And that's and I, right. That's I, I where love you get that. that I love yeah. that. <laughs> Trust, but verify. And then uh, the last uh, man in the room with me is Pastor Matt Kaler. And uh, Matt's wife, Bree, actually uh, helped me put together a similar discussion for mothers and was part of that discussion a number of weeks ago here on the Jesus Famous Podcast. So if you're listening to this today and you're you're feeling like, man, I'm vibing with this and this is really helpful. I wish there was something for my bride uh, or for the mom of my kids. Uh, then you can just go back in the archive and listen to that. But uh, Matt, welcome. And uh, what's what are your stats and what's uh, one of your favorite dad survival tips? Man, it's so good to be here, Nate. Thank you. So we've got two boys, Cannon, who at the time this is released is 10, which is crazy to think about. And Crew is five. So we've got two boys kind of in that elementary age range. So um, to all the the dads who are listening out there, we're we're right in that spot. And a survival tip, you know, I read this and I thought, um, when do I feel like I'm needing to survive. And I think <laughs> when um, the moment that made me think is when I'm there with one of my boys or both of my boys and we're, we're trying to do something and they're not really feeling it, right? Because mm-hmm. there's moments where we're trying to get our kids in the car, we're trying to uh, get our kids to pay attention or, you know, these different kinds of things. And um, what do we do? Because I know I want to, you know, naturally 
get frustrated or lose my patience. And I think a survival tip, honestly, is just the power of laughter in a moment like that to just kind of break the tension. Um, never underestimate the power of a good little tickle, right? Just kind of a tickle attack. Uh, works better on my five-year-old than it does on my 10-year-old right now. But honestly, I mean, moments where you just pick them up, you just throw them up in the air, almost just to like, let's just get out of this funk that we're in. Yeah. So power of laughter, I think I try to use that one. Don't laugh at your kids. That one doesn't work as well. Yeah, you've tried that as I've well. I've tried that too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. I think it speaks to the role of a dad as a leader. You know, you're setting the tone in your home. You're setting the environment whenever the family is together. And that doesn't mean that you have to be the dominant personality. Your wife might have more of a dominant personality than you do. She might be more effusive or praise more easily or be the funnier person, although both you and Brie are funny people. But uh, what it does mean is that your kids are always looking at you you know, wondering how's dad feeling? What's dad thinking? Mm -hmm. And so when you're in those tense moments and you bring the levity and you help them laugh, it's like you're serving them in a, in a neat way. So I I love that. All right. So we're going to get into our uh, round table questions. Now that you guys have a little feel for each one of these men that are with me at the table today. And uh, the first question I'm going to ask is what is one of your favorite things about being a dad. I like starting here because uh, being a dad is a blessing. And I think sometimes when we're considering or consuming content on parenting as believers and Christians, sometimes we can lead with the pain, the agony, the sacrifice, the suffering. And of course, those things lead to joy in our lives. They help shape us and mold us into the image of Christ. But It's a privilege to be a father. And so I thought it'd be great for us to start with something positive. What's one of your favorite things about being a dad? So Riley, I'll go to you first. I just have to say, I love the way you uh, cued that up because I really think the same thing too. It's a real privilege being a dad. And yes, there's hard moments. Um, Things change so much when you become a dad (laughs) than when when you were married or um, even when you're single and things change, but change doesn't mean bad. It just means different, adapting, and finding a new groove, and that's a good thing to be able to to do. So I love being a dad. Um, my girl is two and a half. She's pretty talkative, but she doesn't actually say like full on sentences. Like we're not having big conversations or anything right now. So I think for me, uh, my favorite thing to do with her, my you know favorite thing about being a dad right now, is just doing things with her. She's like my little buddy. I wake up with her in the morning, and we make breakfast together. She always knows when she wakes up that she's going to get a little gummy vitamin, a hard-boiled egg, an egg. She's going to butter her toast. I'm going to put a little bit of butter on her finger so she can eat it. And I'm going to put her on the counter in her PJs, and uh, we're just going to hang out, you know? Can I come so, over for breakfast? Yeah, whenever you want. A, <laughs> I'll put some butter on your finger for you, too. Thank you, Riley. Yeah, you Is that it. a similar routine every morning you have? Every single morning, wow. yeah. And she loves it. She will never forget that, man. Yeah, she just loves it. So that's my favorite thing about being a dad right now is just doing stuff with her, showing her how to be in the kitchen, um, how to do things around the house. Um, I just love it. It's so fun. That's so great. I mean, I've I've 
seeing Meadow in action talking and you say she's you know she's not they're not full sentences mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you bro those for a two and a half year old <laughs> those are full sentences she's full on girl yeah. man she's talking she's a little woman and she's gonna be talking for her whole life so <laughs> that's great that you're laying that groundwork and just I think to me that highlights the importance of dads we got to enjoy our kids gotta enjoy them they're all different you know you might have a child that's got a learning disability you've got kids that have different difficulties and challenging parts of their personalities you've got kids that you can't relate to you know I was talking to a parent the other day where they're worrying a little bit they're like I'm not a sports person my husband's not a sports person and I'm worried my boy's gonna be a sports person but she said but we're down for it if that's what happens we will enjoy that with them and I think that's so important and you're you're just laying that groundwork and it is never too late to start doing that, to show interest in your kids, to just sit with them, be in the room with them, be about what they're about. It just, it's, it, uh, it means so much to them when you do that. So good job, Rye, you're, you're laying a good, laying a great foundation there with Meadow. Uh, Mike, what's one of your favorite things about being a dad? Well, I kind of have a two-part answer to that. I would say my number one favorite thing is at some point you realize when you're talking to one of your kids that you've made the transition from parent to friend. That not only are they calling you to ask you for advice or your input or your feedback on a situation, they're just calling to talk to you and tell you what's going on in their lives, just like a friend. It's so refreshing just to be a part of their lives and know that, yeah, they still want answers to questions, but you're just a part of, they choose to be your friend. They want to be a part of your life and they want to share things with you. And it's so much fun. I called my daughter the other day and she was out at the pool. They were playing pickleball. They were watching the girls swim. And it's just like, this is just nice just to have a conversation with somebody that's like a friend. That, you know, is, is your child, you raised her, but now the relationship is, it's, you're always going to be the parent, but now you just have a whole new level of relationship and it's so enjoyable to be at that level with your kids. And I would say number two, which should probably be number one is grandkids. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> that great. That is like so good. <laughs> I, I get in trouble all the time. Uh, a few years ago, I took uh, my two oldest to uh, hometown buffet and I, sent their mom a picture of their seventh um, ICs that they were having. <laughs> and then I made the mistake of sending her a picture of the eighth we got on the, at 7-Eleven on the way home. And then later she sent me a picture of some dishes that they broke because they were running around going crazy. And she said, never again, Dad, never again. Oh, I love it, Mike. So, You're but, doing it right, yeah. man. <laughs> Fill them full of sugar and send them home. That's so but, good. Yeah. You know, that's so encouraging to think about uh, that as a goal for where you're trying to go towards with your children. I'll admit there are plenty of times where a lot of times a mom or a dad with maybe a preteen or teenage child will say something to me like, my kid is just my best friend. And when they're in that stage of life, I just want to say, no, they don't need you to be their best friend. They, they need a mentor. They need a guide. They need a support system. They need leadership. They need someone to listen to them. They need a counselor, but they're not your best friend. You got to go to other people for that. But then to hear that, you know, as they then launch into adulthood and they settle into maturity, 
they don't need you in that same way anymore. And to hear a man saying, I shifted gears and now I just really love that part of my relationship with my kids where I can be friends with them. Man, that's powerful. I I know a lot of dads don't make that transition. You see, a lot of fathers, what you want is to be needed. I I need my kids to need me. But what's going to happen when you've done your job and they don't need you no more? Can you enjoy them? And uh, I I hear you saying that, Mike. I I love that. Uh, Manny, what's one of your favorite things about being a dad? Well, as I've ever since God blessed me with children, I've never been one to hang on to them tightly. Uh, I hold on to them loosely, open-handed, knowing that they're a gift from God and that eventually, you know, I have to release them. And all through all the stages, from mm-hmm. birth till I finally launched them, it was releasing, releasing, giving them more rope, giving them more rope until I finally took the rope and handed it to them. So now it's on you. So th- as they've grown through their different stages, it's, bo- it's brought me great joy to release and not to long for, oh, I wish they were a baby and wow. still hang on. So for me, what brings me great joy was is to see them connect the dots um, as they progress through these different stages. Like I remember one of the things they were raised on with me as they were little kids telling them, hey man, you need to make a decision. Either you pay now and play later or you play now and then you're gonna have to pay pay later. And to hear them repeating those things yes. when, with their friends, you know. Um, another one was um, my youngest son just told me this the other day, you know, as he was uh, applying for work, looking for jobs, and goes in for a job interview. And so my, one of the things I taught him when they were first looking for work, and now that he's on his own, looking for work on his own, um, was, hey, don't go in desperate, you know, to a job. The fact that there's an opening lets you know that they need somebody. They need you. You need to convince them why you're the man for the job. And that switch in their mind just produced so much more confidence in them. And to see them make those make those connections and embrace some of those principles that I taught them and mm. preparing them for adulthood, has just, that's my favorite. That's my wow. favorite part. So. Wow. Let me ask you as a follow-up. Uh, I know your bride, Denise, she's a, she's a strong person. So maybe this isn't uh, applicable, but I'm just curious, did you find over the years when those different moments came of releasing, did God have you serving a role in your marriage where you were communicating to your bride, hey, this is something we got to do? Like, was it easier and more natural for you? Or did you guys both jump into that together in tandem? Um, or, or not. I, I find in my marriage, you know, Christina being such a nurturer and as our kids are getting older and going off to college and all of that, I do feel a little bit that role sometimes. Like I need to paint a picture of what the future is going to look like and how our current decisions color uh, the way that that future will look. Not that she's clinging on to them. She knows we got a release as well, but I feel sometimes that pain that's there for her a little more acutely than maybe it is for me. I, no, we've. I think you'd have to double back and verify with her before I speak to her. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, we were both pretty much on the same page that we were raising men here, yeah. you know, and we were preparing them for life. I like to use the phrase, um, we want to raise marriageable men. Yes. You know, who, not necessarily that everything's about marriage, but that they possess the qualities the character qualities, the, the, that they're men of character, that a 
that a woman would look at and say, I want you. Right. I want to be with you. I feel safe with you. I feel protected with you. I, you know, they possess those qualities. And so she was, she parented with the end in mind. So she was down for it. Yeah. I like it. Thank you, Manny. That was a good one. Uh, Matt, how about you? What's one of your favorite things about being a dad? Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many. Honestly, you guys have some really good ones. But I think, you know, to be able to watch my boys and have them achieve, um, in areas of athletics that I wasn't, and then to be able to, <laughs> I can't, think, I can't think of the word for vicariously is a good word. Yeah. Um, just kidding. No, I think uh, my favorite thing about being a dad, honestly, um, is just to hear them say my name. There's no, there's no other two humans in this world that can call me dad. Mm. There's just something so special about that. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite moments you kind of describe Riley, you know, Meadow in the mornings. I, I love that time. I love when they crawl out of bed, hair is all messed up. They're still waking up and they just want to, you know, right now, you know, Cannon comes out and he wants to chat. And for crew, he wants to come out and he wants to snuggle. You know, those are just sweet times. So all of those, those special times. But then I think just doing life together, laughing together, playing catch together. It's just the best. I love, I love shaping our boys um so i'm a big i'm a big fan yeah just so many different things i think peering into your family i've seen that you guys love to create moments and experiences with your boys you know and our our family is similar in that way you know we like having the vacation time together and uh those times where you just cut loose and relax and laugh yeah yeah that there is nothing like that you know when you just love that feeling as a dad where it's like Every it's like on greased tracks right now. Like everybody's good, the conversations are good. We're laughing, our stomachs hurt because and our cheeks hurt because we're just having such a good time. Yeah, that's a sweet part of being a dad for sure. All right. Well, now that we've talked about that, the next question I want to get into is, what's difficult about being a dad, and you know how have you faced or overcome that difficulty? Obviously, there's lots of things that are difficult you know it's a responsibility being the man of the household it's a responsibility being uh the the leader in your marriage it's a responsibility being a provider and protector and defender and to be thinking through the future you know and sometimes that responsibility it can be overwhelming you know because the problems are complex the issues are seemingly never ending and of course in the times that we're living in now there's so many things that we fear and that we're worried about and concerned about. And those things can grate upon any parent, mother or father, almost to the point sometimes where you feel like, man, what did I do getting into this? This is such a huge responsibility. And I'm looking at our producer, Dan, right now, who's just thinking about his future, not yet having a kid, but he's thinking, oh man, what am I gonna do in the future? God will be there with you, bro. It's all good. <laughs> That's right. But uh, let me start with you, Ryan. What, what's difficult about being a dad and how have you faced or overcome that difficulty? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, being a dad is such a privilege, you know, but there's inevitably hard things. And I have to be honest, like with me and my daughter, um, she's healthy, she's strong. Um, there's nothing really to worry about with her. I feel very blessed. So my level of hardship has been <laughs> very low on the scale of what could be. I know a lot of people who are probably listening to this have different 
um, issues with their kids or just with themselves. And so I, I don't have very many of those things um, to work through, but I am highly introverted. And so um, my rest time has been shot being a dad. <laughs> I remember I used to stay up late, I'd watch movies and I'd wake up late and go rock climbing and go on day trips and I, I can't remember the last time I did a day trip. You yeah. know? It's like, what what is that anymore, you know? But um, we, we have fun, we go on trips and stuff. But uh, I found that my my recharge time looks so different now. And so I wake up a bit earlier than I ever thought I'd ever wake up. <laughs> and I, I take naps now. Like the, the whole thing is just, it's different now. I get fed um, in a different kind of way. I have to be very conscious about what I put into my body, into my mind, into my ears, in front of my eyes, because it's all taking energy, you know, mm -hmm. or giving energy. And so I've found that I've had to relearn how to rest. And I've had to really find my rest truly in Jesus and in my time with him and come to a deeper understanding of what it means to really rest in the Father, receive his love, receive his peace, walk in his way. It just has a whole different meaning now as a dad because mm -hmm. I'm finding that you can kind of get through life not doing that in a lot of ways, you know? But when you become a dad and you take on this unique burden and responsibility, um, you can't cut corners as much anymore, you know? It's really important to follow Jesus and to come under that grace. And so that's been huge for me, but I've found that through all that transition that there's been a really great reward in it too, you know? The Proverbs say that if you crack under pressure, you're not strong enough. And every time I read that, I'm like, oh my word, dude, like mm -hmm. I gotta get stronger. I gotta get stronger. I don't wanna crack for my daughter, for my wife. And so um, these these changes to like my introverted nature, I've I've I feel like God has helped me become more disciplined through it, and that's been a real gift. So I feel like there's been an evolution that's happened, but it's come through some difficulty. Obviously, I think that's how it always works. But that's probably like the hardest thing for me. And I love it, man. I'm so I'm so glad that you opened up about that because it hits on a couple of levels. You know, I mean, one just opening up about the the introversion thing you know because that's real for a lot of people and the reality being that man you're just not going to have the same kind of time that you used to have I'm similar to you in that way and yeah that when we started cranking out kids that was the time in my life that I became a very early riser in the morning partly because I just knew like I do need time with the Lord but partly I need time with the Lord alone by myself I this might be the only time that someone's not talking to me today. Uh, I think secondarily, men that are like that and women that are like that as well, uh, it's helpful if you have a job that can be done at least somewhat in isolation. Uh, because I know for me, that saved my bacon more than once, you know, that, okay, well, at least today, I'm going to have to go study the Bible for three hours by myself, you know, like that is restorative to a degree. But it hits on a deeper level in that what you're really saying is, you know, one of the hard things about being a dad is sanctification hurts sometimes. And that's what God is doing when he's working on that stuff in our nature and character. And you're just, you know, your thing that God is trying to sanctify you in in that category is having the ability to be stronger, not needing as much of that 
self-restorative kind of time. Not that that stuff is bad, but just it's a luxury that you can't have at all times. And so you're in that season, as my life group would often say, of really pouring out. So I love that, Riley. Yeah, thanks for thanks for opening up about that one. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Pastor Mike, what's a what's a hard or difficult thing about being a dad and how have you faced or overcome that? So for me, I think I'm in a unique situation at this point in my life where all four of my kids have two kids. So we have eight grandkids. They're grown. I think for me now is just watching them do life, praying they don't make any of the mistakes I made. Thank God they're beyond that kind of age of choice. But now as a parent, just to watch them go through life and pray that things are smooth, that there's no hardships in their life. You know, obviously as, as, as parents, we all have the fear of losing one of our kids. I see it happen all the time with the kind of work that I do. I, I have called so many moms and said, your, your son has died. And it is the most painful phone call to make you can imagine. But to think, to be a parent, to be on that end of a phone call. So I think for me, at this point in my life, is just uh, seeing my kids be happy, see them live a good life, and just pray to God that um, they get the call about me and it's not the other way around. And just uh, having and hoping the best for them. Hmm. You know, I didn't have an example of what it was like to be a parent, so it was a new thing for me. It was just make it up as I go. I blew the first half of my life, you know, in jail, living in my car, homeless. But then to see God embrace me and bring me back into my family and to see that restored, now I get to see their lives and their kids and be so blessed by what's going on in their lives. So I would say my biggest fear is, just praying and hoping that they just have great lives, that they follow Christ closely and that they just, you know, do what's right and what's, you know, what's good in God's eyes. Mm. You're so right. The older they get, the stakes are just higher and higher and higher with every decision that they make when they're three years old. If they decide to push a kid in the playground, uh, it's a bad choice, but not necessarily yet life altering. But when you're 20 years old, man, you can make a decision that might inadvertently take someone else's life and it could change the trajectory of your life. So staying up at night worrying, oh Lord, please don't let them make a bad decision. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. But it sounds like your solution has been to commit to them in prayer, to, to commit to praying for them, and then also to uh, just be in contact with them, loving them, in relationship with them. And so far, you so far so good for you. Amen, because that's really all we can do is yeah. commit them to Christ. I mean, because as pastors, that's what we tell other people. You know, because I always find it like, uh, if I'm struggling with something, Michelle will always get me. She'll say, well, did you pray about it? I'm like, oh, darn it. Why do you always think of that? That's my job. Um, but we really just need to commit our kids to Christ because he brought them to us. They're his ultimately. And so we just really need to commit them to prayer and yeah. just let him be in charge of the situation. And I think also it's great as a dad to remember how faithful God has been to you in your own life 
despite your terrible decisions at times. You know, I look back at my past and history and I think, you know, God was so sovereign. He was working in my life despite all the terrible choices I made. He's in control of their lives as well. I got to commit them to God that the spirit of God would be released upon their lives to do things that I cannot do. So that's great, Mike. Thank you for sharing that with us. Manny, how about you? What's difficult about being a dad? How have you faced or overcome that reality? I recognize early on how little control mm. I actually have, um, especially as they continue to age and get older. Um, where I think I figured that out when I was about 15 years old. I said, you know, I, I don't really have to do, well, I could do whatever I want. There might be some consequences, but she can't stop me. Um, and I think not only is that challenging, we're coming to that realization. Wow, they've figured out that they don't have to do what I tell them, that they're these free agents. Then it, it was difficult to know, it was so hard to know, when do I stand firm, hold my ground, be hands-on and directive, mm where I just got to put my shoulder down and say, you, you're going to come at me, but you're just going to bounce off because I got to win this one, especially when they were teenagers, you know, versus discerning when, when it's those times and when it's, you know, I, I need to let them make this decision and deal with the consequences and not step in to be the savior. Mm. Wow. So many times, you know, as parents, I think that's we, because we, we fear what my... We don't correctly discern. Is this one where I need to let them suffer the consequences and not rescue them from everything? You know, um, I remember one time one of my boys was defying me. He wanted to go out somewhere. I was asking the parenting questions and he just, homeboy was stepping out. He was walking out of the house. He turned his back on me and began, and I said, okay, this is one of those times that I need to stand firm. So I grabbed him by the back of the shirt he turned around and took a swing at me. Now he knows that I've been in martial arts and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, for those of you who are listening to this, who have perhaps maybe never met Manny, I'll just say he's he's uh, not an unintimidating figure. <laughs> he, he can hold his own. So anyway, I didn't want to hurt my son, you know, but I know how to take care of myself, how to defend myself, and so I wrapped him up. You know, I stepped into the swing. The swing went around me, dropped him on the floor. We were, my wife and I were in the middle of doing this painting project in the kitchen. There was paint flying all over the place. It was just messy, you know? And um, those was one of those times that I, I had to hold him down. God, when, do I when are those moments that I have to wrestle him down to the ground and the paint goes all over the place? Or when are those times that I just need to let him walk out? Yeah. That's are, tough. Are there any questions that you would ask or a grid that you would look through that would be helpful to you to deciding that? Or was it more gut level? I think this is one that I just, I, I'm sensing I can't let this one go. It's a little bit of both. I think their stage of life and their age, you know, you know, your children, okay. You know, as they're teenagers, um, driving for example they don't understand the implications of they're still learning that so you have to step in in those situations they're a life not just to them but also to others but you know i think another one would be you know schoolwork oh you don't want to do your homework you don't want to study okay go for it 
watch the consequences that come from that. You'll miss out on opportunities, you know, and they need to learn that somehow. And what a better place for them to learn that kind of, than in your in the safety of your home because once they leave your home, the stakes are so much higher. Right. It sounds like so one thing you're thinking about is the ultimate outcome yes. of this potential thing that I'm allowing to let mm-hmm. that I'm letting go. Yes. And I think that goes for even sometimes the tendency of parents to meddle a little too much. You know, like for instance, if you continually think to yourself, I got to jump in and make sure that my kid does not fail this class over and over and over and over again. Well, that's going to backfire in the future because you're not going to be there at the job site someday when they're failing in that environment. So finding areas where you can say, you know, this is a safe space to let them just go to the nth degree of their decision-making process, reap the whirlwind, so to speak, and then learn from it while there's still time to correct. So yeah, that's great. All right, Pastor Matt, how about you? What is difficult about being a dad and how have you faced or overcome uh, that difficulty? Yeah, that's a good question. Good job, guys, answering this one. I think, um, man, you know, so I've got our oldest who's entering his second decade of life. And I think I've just been thinking of the realization where my time is so limited And I think if I had to say what's difficult for me in my stage of parenting, because I can relate probably to to Riley, you know, I've been been in that spot too. Um, But where our boys are, you know, they're putting their own pants on, you know, everybody's kind of doing doing their thing for the most part, you know, they still think I'm funny. Like it's that kind of zone. I just love this time and I just know it's just going to go by so quick. Hmm. And so... um, I think there's an urgency that I'm feeling to have those moments, create those experiences, to have those conversations that don't always happen on a face-to-face. Hey, Cannon, let me, I want to tell you some stuff. You know, it's like, it's the most random times where you see their heart open up and you're like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And you drop, you drop that thing that you've been having on your heart to drop, but it had to happen through just like whether you're just chilling and they're they're in a spot where they can receive it i just want to i just want to take advantage of the time and so i think um the difficulty of the limited time for me yes so how do i overcome that um that's a hard one because we've only got 24 hours in a day um but i think what it's meant for me and i know it's meant for a lot of dads is um i've just had to say goodbye to things that i would like to do that right now I can't do. <laughs> right. I love I love playing 18 holes of golf. You know, it's one of my favorite things to do, but it's also a good five, six hours, <laughs> mainly because I'm trying to find my ball most of the time. Um, but, but I just know like these are moments that I don't think in 10 years I'm going to look back and go, man, I wish, I'm so bummed I missed out on that round of golf. I'm so bummed I missed out on that, that game or that show. I'm going to go, man, I, I wish I would have had a little bit more time intentionally with my boys. So that's not to put a, a burden on anybody else. I'm just kind of feeling it right now. So yeah. wanting to create spaces where I can just be intentional. No, I get that. You're you're right in that stage where, yeah, things start changing and uh, the dynamic changes. The relationship can still be good, but man, yeah, in those early, late elementary school ages, it's just 
so much fun. There's challenges. They're developing like crazy, but it's so much fun. And yet you do. You feel that pressure. And I think, you, you know, you've encouraged guys in the direction of, hey, take a life inventory. Ask the question, where is there wiggle room? Where are there sacrifices that I could make that I'm not yet making so that I can seize the day that's in front of me? I think I would add on to it that a way to really overcome that that fear, that concern that time is limited is believe that you as a father have a superpower that God has given to you. And it's your voice in the lives of your children. There will be times where you're working really hard. There will be times where it's not the round of golf, but it's just the boss was like, look, you're needed late, you know, and you'll feel perhaps a guilt like, man, my kid has been at school all day with his friends all day with his mom all day. What chance do I have to break through? Well, the reason you have a chance is because God has designed you as the father with like a megaphone of a voice that even a small little amount of contact can go a massive way in the life of your child. So my encouragement is, even if the time that you have is really small, take advantage of it. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't back down, but seize even the little moments that you have. Yeah, that's, because that is a challenge, just knowing. I mean, you know, I'm watching my kids, they're all in their late teenage uh, years, and I've got one that's gonna turn 20 this year. And yeah, you look back like, oh man, I, I wanted to have taught them this, or I, I'd wanted to have taught them that. And I remember those ages that you're going through where you just feel like, man, there's this catalog, there's this curriculum I want to take them through. There's like economics 101, there's relationships 105, there's, you know, like all these things I'm trying to communicate. They're in here, they're in my heart, they're in my mind, but where did the time go? But just trusting that what you have sown, when you do so, it will produce something powerful in the future. So take advantage of the voice that God has given to you. Guys, that, that was a great, that was a great round to go through. Okay, last question around the table before we then go around one last time and get a resource recommendation or book recommendation and a little exhortation from each one of you. Uh, the next question I want to do, though, is... What do you, a gospel-centered, Jesus-loving, biblical dad, want to be for your kids? And what do you want to help them become? And, and the reason I ask it that way is because, you know, there's a lot of parenting podcasts out there, a lot of dad podcasts out there, a lot of dad conversations that are, you know, real general revelation in nature. Like, these are good things for dads to do, but... We're sitting here at this table, a group of men that have embraced the gospel and centered our lives around it, filtering our world through its grid. We love Jesus. We want him to be preeminent in our lives. We believe in Jesus famous, and we want to be biblical. We want to have the Bible inform the way that we live our lives. So that might make us have a little bit different of an answer as to what we want to be as dads and what we want 
to have happen in the lives of our kids than maybe other fathers out there. So probably a lot of great answers, but I hope that these are more pointed in nature. So Riley, going back to you as our first guy in the round table, what do you, a gospel-centered, Jesus-loving, biblical dad, want to be for your kids, and what do you want to help them become? Yeah, that's a huge question, right? (laughs) I think um, I was thinking about this, and I was like, what do I want? to be for Meadow. I want to be like so many things, but I think at the end of the day, like, if she like went off to college and thought about like, what's like one word to describe dad, you know? I think I'd want it to be worshipful. Hmm. There's this book I'm reading called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and he has this little, it's like one paragraph where he talks about holy leisure, modium sanctum, and the idea is that you can go through life and you're going through the difficulties of life, you know, hard work stuff, hard conversations, but at the drop of a pin, you can stop and look at a tree and just be like, man, God, you're so creative. Like how big you are to make this and how amazing you are. Just have like these, these uh, worshipful breaks. It's almost like the, like worship in your life is just the undercurrent of everything. It's like almost like right at the surface all the time, you know, not being weighed down heavy with just the, the way of the world, but really lifted up with joy. A man who really embraces that God's strength is through joy and trust in him. And so I, I would love for Meadows to see like, oh yeah, dad was like a worshipful dude. Like he handled the hard stuff. He went through hard stuff. He chose hard things, but he worshiped God. He didn't let the pressures dictate his emotional state, his mental state, his purpose or his worship. He was just like, he rode with a different mindset, mm. you know? And I would love for her to be able to see that and just to know that, okay, when I go through hard things, I I know that God is still with me. Like when I was growing up, um, like some of you here, I grew up without a dad, but I had a really strong mom who really embodied that in a very strong way. And um, that's one of the things I always, like the, the picture I have in my brain when I think about my mom is her in her bed with her Bible and a cup of coffee. That's like the first thing I think about. I would just love for Meadow to have that kind of memory, mm-hmm. you know? So I want her to see that from me and I want her to become a, a woman who is full of worship, just loves God. Obviously, I think we all want that, but um, I, I want her to be protected from bitterness and uh, resentment and a despair. I want her to be like, there's a future, God's with me. He, that word Emmanuel, I'm just all about that word Emmanuel, God is with us, so. Yeah, a worshipful person. Amen, Riley. I, I love that one because I think what, uh, as a believer, what we want to have happen for our kids is we want them to turn to God often, you know, repeatedly in and through life. And you're wanting to model that for her so that she sees this is the option that I should choose I think an encouragement that I would give to guys that are out there on this front is that I think a lot of times it becomes easier to be worshipful in some of those external ways or even to talk about how you're feeling about God or what God is showing you. It becomes easier to do that with people that are a little further away from you, kind of at arm's length, whether it's friends in church or guys in your discipleship group or uh, brothers that you know in Christ. And as your kids are growing up in your home, they know you. 
they know that you're not all worship. You know, they, they can see your flaws. They can see your shortcomings. And because you're so familiar with each other, there can almost be a difficulty in opening up and saying, you know, God was showing me this or the Lord helped me see this deficiency in me, or here's something beautiful that I love about God. You know, you could, you could almost kind of envision the eye roll from Meadow, you know, with one more time where <laughs> so dad Riley is like, there's that tree Meadow, look <laughs> at it. It's beautiful. God is a creator. And she's like, oh, my dad is a millennial worship leader and he's 100%. proved it once again, you know? <laughs> And instead, just saying, I got to take those risks with yeah. my kids and I got to show them that part of me because it's good for them to see you with your Bible open. Those are some of my earliest memories of my parents as well and really kind of modeled and fashioned for me of this is what it looks like to seek God. They got their Bibles open. They're spending time with the Lord. First thing, it's a cornerstone of their lives. Um, but then to take that next step too of opening up your heart to them and talking to them about what God means to you. That's good. That's really good. Pastor Mike, how about you? What, what do you, a gospel centered, Jesus loving biblical dad want to be for your kids and what do you want to help them become? Well, Riley, ours are so much alike. No, just kidding. Um, for me, I mean, it's profound because I think my really first introduction to Christ was I was in sixth grade. Our neighbors were Christian, Dennis and Jim, Christian family, Christian mom, Christian dad, Boy Scout leader, perfect family, really idolized their family. And uh, we got invited to youth group. So we, we know we didn't go home and ask dad. So my brother and I went to youth group and we went in. It was a little Christian church down the street. And uh they were doing worship, playing games, and it felt really good. It was like fun. This is like awesome. And then uh, the pastor, youth pastor started speaking and we could hear the back door just creak open and everybody looked and my dad was standing there. And the look on his face, my brother and I got up and walked out and he beat me to a absolute bloody pulp and told me that it was an embarrassment, that his kids don't go to church, that God isn't real. I was, he wasn't my dad. I was pathetic. And, and so that was kind of my first introduction to Christ. And then my poor kids get the introduction of me being an addict and get to watch the whole transition. And so I think what I want more than anything is for my kids to know that I'm an absolute lover of Christ, that I completely follow him. I'm in love with him. And that's how I live my life. And that's how I do everything that I do. So I think that's super important that they see that in their dad, because I never saw that in any of the male figures I had growing up in my life. It wasn't until I was an adult that I actually began to see that in people like uh, Bill Holdridge, Skip Joannes, Bob Stewart. I, I was, it was foreign to me. I was like, it didn't seem real that that was an actual possibility for a, an adult man to have a heart like that. So... For me, I want my kids to know that I'm an absolute follower of Christ. I love Christ, and I, I will follow him my entire life. And I think it's super important that they know that that's who grounds and centers me. Amen. Amen. I love that, Mike, because our kids, they're going to learn from lots of other people. They're going to have lots of other models and people that they look up to. They're going to have people who disciple them and teach them things about the Christian faith, they're going to learn so much at the feet of others. But I think what you're saying is, 
but I want in their home and in their lives, I want to be one of the biggest voices of what it looks like to be a Jesus person. Amen. I want to show that to them. So even if they're learning from other people, they're getting it from me as well. So I love that, Mike. And I uh, praise God. I think your kids are watching that and seeing that in your adult life. So good job, man. All right, Pastor Manny, how about you? What a, what are you a gospel centered? Are you gospel centered? So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you qualify. What, what, how about you? Well, I'd just have to, in, a, in my own words, echo what Pastor Mike said. I want to be that attractive, tangible example of how an imperfect Jesus follower follows Jesus imperfectly, mm. and I don't want to be one that makes. Jesus looked like, man, I can't never do what dad did or do it how dad did it. He was just too good, unreachable. No, you you can. It's it's possible to follow Jesus, even if it's imperfect. And, and because of that, ultimately, I want for them to be lovers of Jesus. I would love for them to see, um, for Jesus, the Bible, God, his spirit, to be the primary influencers of their lives. Hmm. But I acknowledge that I don't have any control over that. Um, they have to be the ones to choose in the same way that I did. Um, I can only set the stage and create the environment, cultivate the soil of their lives to give them best shot that they would choose that. And so um, alongside of that, knowing that that's between them and God, that decision, what do I want them to become? I want them to be men of character who are responsible, respectful, full of integrity, hardworking, um, yeah, that's what I want them to be. I love that. So to me, as I've watched you parent your boys, it seems to me that uh, you've kind of concluded, okay, when Christ is on the throne of your life, there's a certain brand of life and character that flows from that. In my home, I'm going to make sure that regardless of whether my boys decide that King Jesus is going to be the king of their lives or not, they're going to at least understand some of the ethics that flow from King Jesus. And I'm praying that the conversion or the experience that has to happen in their hearts for him to be the king in their lives, that that occurs. Nailed it. I can't make that happen, but I darn well sure am going to yes. make sure that this lower tier does occur. Yeah. Those were the expectations set in my home. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So uh, when you talk about setting the stage or the environment for that to occur, can you think of any uh, any of the kind of stage setting environmental things that were important to you? Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, key things that I remember, and it actually has to do with one of the resources uh, grace-based, grace-based parenting by Tim Kimmel, and I, if I remember correctly, it was in this book that one of the concepts he suggested was parents, everything that you do and say, values, standards that you set in your home, it doesn't have to have a scripture, a chapter aver- uh, attached to it. Whenever you do that and you misinterpret, misuse the Bible to drive home your point, can turn into legalism. And your kids will reject that because they'll see right through it. You have life experience. You have sacred wisdom that's already given to you from God. It's okay for you to have, these are my person. here's what God's word says. That's one thing. But here are my convictions. Here's what it's gonna be like in my home. To distinguish between the two and say, this is why I'm telling you this. I'm not saying this because 
God says so. I'm saying this because here's what it's going to be like in my home. I'm the authority. Yeah. I'm the dad. We're the parents. Here's what we think is wise. Um, and so being able to distinguish that was one of the ways that we established um, those boundaries and guidelines for them. Yeah, so. so there's the because God says so categories, and then there's the because God put me here yes. categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Good job, Dad. All right, Matt, how about you? What uh, do you, a gospel-centered, Jesus-loving, biblical dad, want for your kids, and what do you want to be for your kids? Man, well, the advantage of going last is I can just say, yeah, amen to all of these guys. Um, So well well said. I, I don't know if I have a unique take on this besides what's been said, but, you know, I think when I think of my boys and I think of what do I want them to see me as or who you know who do I want to be for them um I want to be marked by love I want I want them to be able to say whether they move on or or out man dad dad loved God deeply he loved mom Mm. deeply and he loved us fiercely and I think um you know if if the Christian life, if Jesus is wanting to do anything in us, it's produce a life that is marked by love, you know, a love for God and a love for people. So as, you know, one of our, our favorite books says, we want to raise kids that love God with passion and love people on purpose. And I think that's, um, that's just something I just am, am cognizant of. I want, I want them, because I think there's going to come a time and this kind of gets into what I want to help them become. I want them to tap into the love of God. I want them to just get under that spout, man. And so that just flows because there's nothing greater. And when we embrace God's love, when that becomes so real to us, um, when, not if, God calls them to do something that they don't want to do, (laughs) Where's the motivation to do that? There's a lot of motivations that the world offers for, to not follow God's way in the way of Jesus. But I think ultimately it comes back to God's love is greater than any, anything else. So, so I, I want to I be a man who's marked by that, that kind of love and that, um, that invites them to enjoy that kind of love too. That is so good. Yeah, I mean, it's when you're, you know, in the throes of, raising kids, it's so easy to just want a quick behavioral modification, you know, (laughs) like, and sometimes, you know, that's our role. We need a, there's a corrective, you know, my wife and I used to talk about the preciousness of others, like this fit you're throwing right now. Well, we love the other people in this room too. So we we consider the preciousness of others. So you're getting a discipline uh, right now, but ultimately at the end of the day that they would know God love God, respond to God's love. And, uh, I love that, but what you're trying to model for them about not just being a God lover, but loving others too. You know, that's, I've watched my wife be, um, you know, fixate on that with all three of our girls that life is not about you. The world is not about you. There are others that God has put us here on earth to serve and to take care of and minister to. 
and to even at an early age, she'd start roping them in, you know, and I think I was even maybe a little allergic to it. Like, oh, I don't want them to get burnt out on service and church and uh, think that this is like a mandatory thing. But she kind of just acted like you're in our house. You're going to help serve our church. You're going to help in the kids ministry at an early age. You're going to be doing stuff. And I've watched and seen how that has developed into an other's centeredness in their lives because she had that as a value. Yes, we're going to love God, but the outflow of that is we're going to love other people uh, as well. So great answers, you guys. And I think, you know, obviously we framed the question in a very specific way, but I just think it's good for us to just pause and step back for a second as fathers and just think about what is most important about uh, what our kids become, you know, I don't know where you as a listener are listening from or what kind of culture you're in, but here on the Monterey Peninsula where we're at, it's a very success oriented culture, a wealth oriented culture, uh, an education oriented culture. And none of those things are wrong or bad in and of themselves. But I think what we're saying is there's a area of life that supersedes all of that. And we, we want mostly for our kids to love and know God and then respond to him. And if that leads to tons of education, great. If it leads to a uh, big income, great. They can help pay off our mortgages and help us with retirement. If it, if it leads to those types of things, wonderful. Uh, but that's not the main goal. That's not the first place thing. And I think a lot of believing parents need to get that order corrected in their mentality of what they're mostly shooting for in the lives of their kids. I think for a lot of people, it's success first, character second, and then devotion to Christ last. We want devotion to Jesus, number one, character that flows from that. And we believe that success will come when those things are happening in a person's uh, life. So that's what I'm hearing from a lot of you guys uh, at this table. Guys, thank you so much for talking about being a dad. And uh, if you're listening right now and you've hung with us this long, uh, God bless you. You get a gold star. And we're going to close out with one little rapid fire round where I'm going to have the each dad at the table name a book or resource that they recommend to you. And we'll put a link to these resources in the show notes so you don't have to pull over uh, where if you're driving on the road, you could just look in your podcast app later. And then one last little exhortation uh, to encourage all of you. So Riley, we'll start with you. Yeah, I would say um, for my resource, there's obviously so many good books to read and podcasts to listen to. I think one that's just on my heart to share is um, this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I heard somebody say recently that the world's not looking for more people who are talented, but for people who are more deep. And I think that's really true. I think that our kids, whether they know how to articulate or not, would like to see us become a deeper men of emotional, mental, spiritual health. And so this book isn't like the end all be all obviously but it gets you starting to think about questions that maybe you wouldn't normally ask with your dude friends you know so um a great book and i just believe that every man does have true depth to them god has made you an emotional man he has given you thoughts he's given you desires plans and purposes he's begun it he's working in you um 
there, there's there's new territory to gain is what, what I'm trying to say. So if you're feeling like, gosh, I don't know how to articulate all those emotional kind of things, um, that's okay. God is working that out in you and your kids will be so thankful as you work that out in community. And my last thing is, um, I guess just uh, two quick things. One is um, if you're a man and you're, you're in your marriage, you have kids and you're struggling with pornography or are just, your mind is just captured by sexuality in a way that is perverted. I just want you to know you're not alone in that. There are other men who experience that as well. And I would encourage you to get into a small group with other men. Um, at a church, if you're a part of Calvary, there's great men's groups here. Don't go through that alone. It is deteriorating your marriage, whether you know it or not. Um, please find some people to talk to and uh, find some victory in it. Jesus wants to help you overcome that. You can be rescued from it. So I just want to say that. And last thing, totally just left turn. And just enjoy your kids. And um, I know I'm, I'm a young dad. I don't have much experience at all, but what I'm hearing from all you guys and what I've experienced in my life is that being a dad is so rich when you truly do enjoy your kids. You look at them in the eyes, you talk to them, you listen, you don't just shoo them away, but you embrace them, give them hugs and uh, wrestle them and just have some fun. So enjoy your kids, protect your mind and uh, go a bit deeper than you think that you might want to go. Thanks so much, Riley. That's a, that's a great one. And I'll just put in a special request because uh, I recently noticed my wife, she had a real big week. She was busy, uh, you know, some pressures and stresses that were weighing on her a little bit. She was just navigating all of it. And then she got to watch Meadow, your daughter, for about two hours. And I saw her countenance change and her spirit lift. And I just said to her later, I said, you need like an appointment with Meadow once a week where you just hang out with her because it just makes you feel so good. So please, can you bring Meadow over yeah, a absolutely. little bit more often? Yeah, Baby girls, nice. they, yeah. they're medicinal. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pastor Mike, how about you? What's your uh, resource recommendation and final exhortation? To me, this is pretty funny. I've been waiting probably since 2003 to be able to answer this. I had a conversation with you in 2003, I think you remember, I was a, a new, new believer, probably weeks into belief. And I asked Pastor Nate, I said, hey, can you recommend a book that explains the Bible? He said, well, that would be the Bible. And I said, no, 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 no. I want you to recommend a book to teach me about the Bible. And he, did, he would not let it go. It was the Bible, the Bible. I was really super frustrated with him. Walked away, said, you know, whatever, under my breath. Um, but as I've grown and as a believer, and when we were, I was thinking about this question, how to best answer it, for me, my character was so broken, I did not need someone's, someone to interpret the Bible and come up with something clever. I need to look at my character reflected in the characters of the Bible, whether it's the life of David or Solomon or the wisdom of Proverbs because I needed to go to the source and find out where my character is wrong because I didn't have character. I, did, I had no value, I had no morals. I, I was a yes man. I would say whatever you wanted, do whatever you wanted. I had no built-in Mike character. I didn't know who I was as a man, especially who I was as a man in Christ. So for me, 
when I started thinking about those questions, I had to just start going through the Bible. And what characters do these men have that are honoring God? I mean, when we look at David, all the things that he went through, and it says that, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. And when we can start modeling some of those characters in our own life and get to the root of what's going on. And for me, it was, it was just no character, no moral fiber, nothing, and actually starting to build character based on things that I'm reading in the Bible, not someone's opinion on what's in the Bible. So for me, because of how far gone I was, I had to go back to the Bible. It, it, you know, I still laugh when I think about it because people ask me all the time the same question that I asked Nate in 2003. They walk away as frustrated as I did. And then I get to chuckle when I see them carrying a Bible, reading their Bible, and beginning to understand that's where really when all is said and done, when you look on Amazon, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of self-help books, even so many of them that are Christian based on the Bible. So I, I, I'm going to say if you really want to examine your character and who you are in Christ as a man or as a parent, go back and, and read scripture and find out how to maybe reevaluate your life or reexamine your character and begin to build that into who you are. So for me, it's going to be the Bible. and uh, I love that, Mike. That's a great resource. We'll put that link in the uh, show notes. Amen. <laughs> Amazon link. Get a Bible. Yeah. Read the Bible. You know, I, a phrase I've been thinking about recently is uh, you don't want people to conclude that there is a canon inside the canon. And what is meant by that is as Christians, we believe that Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God. But a lot of times the way we handle our pulpits or the way that we handle the books that we write, it communicates that, well, actually there's a special part inside the Bible that is the real canon. These are the things or verses or concepts that as long as you know those, you're good to go. But to be a man of the word and to get into it and to really realize that, you know, all of it is, it's all saying the same thing in different ways. It's pointing me to the same truths over and over again. Uh, what a blessing. So thanks for that, Mike. Uh, I, I probably had not read very many books when I was 25 years old to be able to give you a book. So I just knew the Bible. So you're so just blowing me I'm off, I'm really right? glad that that answer has gotten so yeah. much traction yeah. over the years. <laughs> Uh, Manny, how about you? Uh, last resource and exhortation. Yeah, I already answered my resource question. It was Grace-Based Parenting by uh, Tim Kimmel, so I'll jump right into my Super. exhortation. Um, dads, you matter. Your presence, your voice, your perspective matters. No matter what society is telling you with a modern feminist movement, you matter. You have a place. Of course, you won't do it perfectly. Nobody does. We, there's only one perfect father. And that's God. So don't use that as an excuse to check out. Your kids need to see how an imperfect father fathers. They need to see you do it imperfectly. You are that tangible example of Jesus that inspires them to say, hey, I can do that too. So learn, grow, read, listen, ask questions. You know what? Receive God's grace for yourself. Of course, you're going to make your mistakes. And when you make a mistake, when you mishandle a situation, Continue to be an example of how a man handles mistakes. Humility, be an example of humility, be an example of honesty. Repent, say I'm sorry. That's my exhortation. Man, 
I feel like we all need to have that audio clip as our alarm clock in the morning <laughs> just to listen Seriously. to Manny pump us up <laughs> on our role. It's just so true, man. Yeah, everything in culture is just saying men don't matter, dads don't matter. You're actually a problem. And uh, so to hear, no, I do matter, not in some egotistical, sadistic way. I matter because I, I believe there's a God who exists who made us male and female and he he put me in this family unit for a reason man that's that's good thank you for that word that was good all right pastor matt how about yeah. you resource and exhortation well you know i love resources so um well you can do two if you want if, to because okay. manny put his in he earlier so he did um like said the bible which is good so anything that i'm gonna say is gonna fall short right yeah i think in, in terms of dad um good books on on being a dad we got to mention dear new dad shout out pastor nate wrote a book oh, thank you for, for, for new dads it's a great resource get it on amazon um really if you're a brand new dad entering into this um you got to check that out super encouraging um a book i just finished actually that i really i really liked it's called habits of the household and it's by justin early and the the subtitle is practicing the story of god in everyday family rhythms and I feel like he just did a really good job of saying, hey, here's, here's what a day looks like. And here is how you can take the moments, the time, the milestones of life that happen in each and every day and capitalize on them and build on them to develop habits that over time you're going to see building the, the things into your kids' lives that you want to build. And so super practical. There's different... Um, chapters on uh, walking, um, different chapters on meal times, discipline, screen time, family devotions. It's super practical, but I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really inspiring read. Speaking of an inspiring read, my second one, Intentional Father by John Tyson. It's one of those that you're just going to read it and feel like a terrible dad compared to him. <laughs> so um, just know that heading into it. You don't have to be a John Tyson, but but what he does is he lays out pretty much a blueprint for discipling your, um, particularly your young um, boy in the teen years. And I just appreciate a guy who, who says, hey, go after it. Like, here's what you can do. Um, you have this time. And so he, he did that with his son and he's developed a program called the Primal Path that you can check out as well. But I think um, those those kind of resources inspire me as much as we're going to fall short and your your story, your, your season of life might look different. Um, I think it's good to see who who has come before us. And I think what I would say for dads, um, guys, we get we get an opportunity to do something that is such an incredible privilege and such um, a beautiful responsibility. And that's to shape the lives of humans. <laughs> so whether it's one kid or, or several kids, my encouragement to you is don't, um, don't wing it. This is not a time to wing it. There's a, there's a lot of things as, as, as men, I think we probably wing, whether it's in work, you know, or, um, I think even in relationships, we're still trying to figure things out, but I think I'm just passionate about, um, there's a community of, of men that I have, you know, around this table that I have learned so much from. There are resources that are so good. You have God's spirit living inside of you. I just feel like we live in a day and age. We don't have the kind of excuses to say, well, I didn't, I wasn't equipped. It's like, 
man, find some brothers, find some guys, some dads that you admire, that you look at their kids and you go, man, they've done something right. No, no parent is perfect. Have coffee with them, take them out to lunch and just be humble and admit, I don't really know what the heck I'm doing and I need some help. If that's you, do that. If you feel like you got it dialed and you're going, then my encouragement is just keep on going. Just don't give up. Just It, it is worth it. And man, one day we're going to get to that point and we're going to look back and we're going to be having a lemonade with our wife and our kids are going to be grown. We're going to be in the seasons where you know Mike and Manny are. And hopefully we're saying we didn't do everything right. We made a lot of mistakes, but man, we did our best and we love those kids fiercely. So Amen. Good word. Thank you guys so much for contributing today. And if you're listening to this and it's been a blessing to you, would you bless us by forwarding this on to another dad that you know and uh, say happy Father's Day to them. Let them know that you see them and that you think this might be a blessing uh, to them. We just want to encourage some dads out there during this season. 